sassy Little bit crazy, little bit classy We got dreams and we got goals We're just a couple of old sassholes Here we go, and we're doing it right. We're do- are we? We I'm, are. We are. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to a couple of Sassholes podcast. I'm Brooklyn Maple. And I'm Heather Terry. And this is where we talk about true crime, fucked up shit, especially if you saw or listened to the last episode. Oh, my gosh. Y'all have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> go back one. Or or not, depending on what you like. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Go back at your own discretion. <laughs> yeah, because that one was um, wild. I also edited that. And did an amazing job because I accidentally inserted the outro right smack dab in the middle of it. I bet that scared the people that listened on the first. I bet it was very because we had yeah the first yeah. nine hours, guys. Uh, FYI, so. <laughs> I do know of my mistake. My sister informed me. She was like, "Hey, yeah. everything was great. The volume was. It sounded so good, except for like why was Theo in the middle?" <laughs> He just wanted to make a cameo. That really would scare the crap out of you. Yeah, know, oh, if yeah. you were like, ah! the- <laughs> right in the middle. Can I put that down? Yeah. <laughs> and we- then he barks. Yes. So Jeez. Sorry. But thanks yeah. for listening first. <laughs> yeah. We're so happy for the first 29 of you. It was a little Easter egg for you. A little yes. treat. I know. Oh, I need to get my phone. Why? For Easter eggs? I put- yeah. Oh, my gosh. Reese eggs. Ugh. Don't, don't talk about that. Okay, fine. I won't. No, I made a. Li- Do you have like anything you would like to discuss? Um, no, not in particular. Uh, besides my fatal flaw on the podcast and my editing that I fixed last night that it took six hours to upload for some reason. I've never been more grateful that I don't have much of a social life and that I was coming home on a Friday night after the gym. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I can fix this. Oh my god, everything's fine. Before the Saturday morning broads, our little sassy assholes, wake up and start listening sassy to the podcast. Assholes. At that bedazzled asshole. Or what Scott Mauser say? He's like, what's your podcast called? Sassy Bitches? I know. Right in a meeting. <laughs> in a sales meeting. <laughs> well, I like, thanks, Scott. Yeah. Sassholes. I mean, same difference. Yeah. Um, no, but do you know what tomorrow is? Is it? Do you know what tomorrow is? The 22nd. Which is what? Is it our one year it recording is our anniversary? anniversary? It popped up on my time hop. So you did like it's officially I wasn't sure official. if it was the twenty first or the twenty third. I love that it ended up being the twenty second. Twenty second. I expect the flowers to be delivered tomorrow. I would like a present. Where's my present? I I do not have We've one. been doing it for a whole year. I think uh we should definitely do something when it launches. Like whenever we launched the site or the podcast, we went to uh That was April, right? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. in April. We went and had drinks. And I got drunk. You got drunk. Yeah. You got drunk. It was great. Um, I definitely think we should celebrate the one year it launched. Yeah. This is this was the time that we were recording the four months leading up to it. How quickly we ran out of those pre, <laughs> pre-done freaking mm-hmm. episodes. Back when Heather would spend all of her time editing. And I just had to build a website, which was so much easier. If you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Building a website was 10 times easier than editing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But that's exciting, though, that we did it from saying, hey, we should do this. And then after I was like, we'll do it in January, because that's what I always tell Brooklyn if I wanted to maybe forget. And she never did this one. So she was like, hey, actually, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that did that. I had a conversation with you and I was like, we've got to do this. You always say we need to have a podcast. And I was nope, like, I'm the, putting it on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. You were the one that pushed me to do it. And I was like, we should do it. And you were like, OK. And then you're in January 1st. Like, when are, we're doing it on this day. 
I'm like, doing what? And we and to think of how terrible we were. <laughs> like I went back and listened to the first few episodes oh, just to test God. out the sound because we've just worked really hard at making this actually sound like a legitimate podcast. Yeah. Um, using the tools at our disposal. And my God, we literally just I don't even remember the story, but I straight up just like went I Googled something and printed it. And then now we're spending three hours doing research, you know, grabbing information from like six different sites, wa- watching documentaries and doing this every week. Mm-hmm. And then someone has to spend three hours editing and someone else is doing the social media shit. And it's just like, look at us go. I know. I'm proud of us. Me too. It's, it's just funny to to think about a year ago because um, it came up on my time hop. We were taking a shot and like I took a picture and I said, we're going to remember this in a year. And it's a Aww. picture of us. That's cute. <laughs> at your kitchen table. I'll show you later. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. You as don't want to do it time. right now? That's good for the audio project. Yeah. Everyone will love that. Like, okay, you guys, hang on. We're going to look at a photo. Okay. But send gifts to... No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I like how warm. you pushed it warm back. Full. You're like, I'll get you something in three months. Yeah. Whenever it's our real... The real one. The real no one, one knew that we were recording. Besides the fact that we kept saying the days. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we're like, we it's like, snowing. Oh. Everybody's like, it it's is April. spring and it's April. So. But okay snowing yeah. on easter we've come very far that's true go us i know what else did you have okay so did you i didn't no i didn't get all the details because when i went to type it and go back to the um to the instagram it refreshed but in iowa there was a morgue there did you hear about this no they you lean in like i love it like because well, i'm leaning back because i'm just like my back just wants me to lean away from the microphone so i'm just going to be doing you a little, fat joe it and lean back a little bit of this there you go but it's kind no. of feel sexual i'm gonna stop doing that mm. Barracuda. <laughs> i mean i was like going back and forth to my anyway just, <laughs> 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 they, but a morgue there they had to call the cops because they got a body that wasn't dead <gasps> They were like, yeah, the person's in, in the other room. And then I went to read about it and I didn't. So, Oh, my gosh. That's that, just a little We teaser. need to add that to the list of possible podcast topics. What? Of people that people thought were dead that weren't dead. Oh. And the last thing that I have, Carol Baskin's husband. I saw. He's alive. Yeah. Because he, I, I kind he's of always, a, he seemed really, really dicey. But he's alive. Yeah. Her ex-husband is alive. I just can't believe he was like, you know what? I'm still not going to tell anyone. They're Didn't like, he's over off? there in like fucking Costa Rica hanging out. Changed his name and she paid him like $2 million. I don't know. I didn't, I haven't read it. I know you're really invested. <laughs> I was. No, I know. I was, but, yeah. I was in 2020. Oh, it was yeah. my entire life. Blood. Everybody was. Yeah. It was your tiger blood. <laughs> like the snow cone. 20 tigers is 20 tigers. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring that one back. That was a Let's good do one. It. That it's was one. the only good part of COVID. What? Tiger. tiger. Yeah. Yeah. That was literally the only good part. The rest of it fucking sucked, including the 20-pound weight game. Yeah. And COVID-19 for a reason. (laughs) You ain't lying. You ain't lying. Yeah. But that's all the little, the notes that I made. I know that you wanted to mention the fact that I had talked to you today about doing something important to me. Oh, my God. And you lost your shit on me. Okay, y'all. I got to tell you this. So, Brooklyn, whenever she asks me for a favor, she rarely does, even. By yeah. the way, she rarely asked me for anything, even though I would do it. She comes to me and you would think that she's like, Heather, I need your kidney and I need it in an hour. No, 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 no. She goes, hey, I really have to ask you something. It's really important to me and I'm. it's going to put you out. She just asked me to basically use my credit card for four seconds to put $200 concert tickets on it. And my email address that I use for spam anyway. 
I know. You at like the way that you asked me, you're like, hey. Because I just don't like asking for favors ever. I don't I, really want to ask anyone for do help. I hate asking for help. But this really is not really It's do. like, hey, can I use your credit card to hold this for two seconds because it's like a ticket lottery thing? It's a whole thing. Anyway. It's a ticket lottery, and I've never wanted the tickets more in my entire life. Yeah. And I just feel like I have to put all my hats in this barrel because I want these fucking tickets. But then this this is coming from the same best friend of mine that's a sweet baby angel that also said, well, if you want to, if you need to get your teeth done, you can put, you can use my credit card. I don't use it and I need to use it anyway. So like, and that would be like five grand. And you're like, hey, I need two hundred dollars. You know how much I spend on groceries? More than two hundred. <laughs> you're so funny. I'm like, next time, don't lead up to that. Just be like, hey, can you do this? I know. For I'm me? always really bad at that. You I'm, really I think I get it honest are. from my mom. You really are bad. My at mom that. really sets things up. The things that she needs to set up, like someone died, she doesn't set up right. But like the fact that you're right, a random neighbor that I never knew or something, like the way she will tell yeah. me that my aunt died is like hey we ran out of milk but the way she'll tell me yeah. that my second grade teacher's cousin died you would have thought it was yeah my family my closest family member it's unbelievable well you definitely do that though and i need to remember <laughs> yeah i have a lot of psychological issues i really and then she was like in the middle of it i was like sis you're making my palm sweat she's like it's not it's not bad it's not bad i'm like well it sounds really bad i know it's like you're like can i, hey, I really want to have a kid i need you to do God. it for me now that you better build up and take me to aruba or some shit like right aruba where people go missing well then you can do an episode on me <laughs> but anyway so my bad when you ask Oopsie. your friends for help just ask don't i know <laughs> don't make it don't make them have anxiety like i'm gonna be down a kidney by monday you told me that a thousand times and i still keep doing I, it so. yeah because you don't listen to me i know i suck <laughs> i just i really think it's probably something i need to unpack with a professional nah, it fine. is what it is Keeps me so on my toes. let's talk about our our episode Oh, yeah. Wild card week. Yeah. So we did a wild card and this one was. So what I did for mine Mm -hmm. is I text Heather two years. Heather. So whoever is the one editing the podcast is always the last one to do the research. So I was up at seven this morning doing my research this morning, which means everything feels very fresh in my mind. Um, But because of that, I didn't pick my shit up and I didn't pick out my topic until Thursday. So I picked two years. I text Heather a year. I text her the years and I had her pick one. And that's. And I was like, and yours isn't that year, right? And she named her year. And I was like, this is probably the easiest we can do ever again is like, we pick a yeah. year. That that was a good idea on your part for sure. Yeah. But <laughs> I had to... Hoping this year works because I think about it. I'm like, that's the year that the person was captured, not the year of what I would die if we have the same one. We don't. We 120% don't. I Perfect. guarantee it. But they... Um, shit. See, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> they, <laughs> I forgot my story. I forgot... Because I did my research like Monday. Oh, yeah. That and happens so to me, too. I'm sitting here today, and you were like, oh, I'm about to do it. I'm in the zone. I was like, go get it, sis. And I'm like, who the fuck am I talking about? I had no idea. I had to go back and look. I don't blame you. <laughs> Especially if it's not like... Yeah. So I think I'm a better procrastinator. I've done it my entire life with schoolwork and gotten good grades. Like, that's... Of course, I'm like a do it and hit it, forget it. So... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't definitely mind hit it on Monday and forgot it on Saturday. I think it's, I can't decide if it was easier for me to just spend my Saturday morning doing it and like really, you know, 13 pages later and an hour and 45 that minutes of focused intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't decide if that's better than me doing it like 30 minutes over three different lunch breaks. I feel like I a one know. and done is better. Yeah, we're going to have to see. Well, I don't for me now that I don't drink it. 
Saturday mornings are an option, but they were never an option before. Mm-hmm. So, and it's different too. It's hunting season right now. That's about to end next month. And then if I have the freaking fan bam all up in my shit, I'm not going to be able to do it in the mornings. So you want to go figure first out my journey? I do. Okay. That I, I that I do. Well, it's your turn anyway to go first. So I know. Kinda worked it worked out. out. Uh, so I could, as I just mentioned, I couldn't really decide which story I was going to choose. So I sent Heather two different years and had her pick one. It was between 2005 and 1949. 2005 is the one that won. And with that, I'm going to tell you the story of Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. You are not. And it, did you pick Dennis? No. Oh, my God. I got so <laughs> nervous. Um, and how his arrogance, ignorance, and ego got him caught 31 years after his first I cannot crime. believe that you pulled off BTK in one day. She just starts reading. According to page one of Wikipedia. <laughs> no, um, this was really focused. In, like, no, I, I did focus you. really hard on this you, one, but you, that's, I'm pretty proud. You, sh- you should be. Good yeah. for you. But it also got overwhelming and I, because it, there's a lot of murders and it's a lot. to It's a lot. And yeah. I really definitely could have. You jumped in and you were like, shit, I already jumped in. Yep. I was like, wow, <laughs> I, might, I might choke on some of this water for a little bit, but I'm going to get through it. <laughs> And because I use freaking 8 million different sites, too. So last night I watched, and just so everyone knows, not a good look is when you're at home by yourself at night and you decide to watch about a murderer that just picked people randomly and it was always women. A lot of times it was women at home by themselves. So that fucked with me. And then I kept hearing everything and had like... I. Not my best moment. Yeah. Not my best moment. Yeah. Cause and then I got out in the hot like, tub and I was like, this is where I get killed. Yeah. You did that before you got out. After your I hot watched t- the show. Yeah. I watched the you're, show and then Wow. Got no. Just asking for a Baskin. That's I know. what you're doing. I know. Wow. Yeah. Shit's bananas. I'm terrified to let my dog out and you're like, I'm going to go sit in a hot tub and not pay attention to my surroundings and relax. And I'm like, take my dog out to pee. And I'm like, someone's out here. I am watching everything. <laughs> I know. And you're like, bubbles. I know. That's 100% what it was God. like. All right. Yeah. Well, RIP. Yeah. Brooklyn Steven. So I did Catching a Killer, the BTK Killer on Netflix. I was about to watch BTK Chasing a Serial Killer on Hulu, but I didn't want to pay for it. So I have it on here, but I didn't end up watching it. Fun facts, everyone. Don't. I did uh, Wiki. Did biography.com and then also Murderpedia. And then I found another random site, and my apologies that I didn't write you down. But your information was very great, and I appreciate you. Okay, let's get into this horrible, horrible story. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, it's long, so buckle up, sister. Okay. Okay. That was cute. Okay. Ready and kick it. And kick it and kick it. All right, we're going to go back to the 70s. Okay. So on January 15th, 1974, a beautiful family known as the Otero family was enjoying an average day. We had Joseph Otero, who was 38, Julie, 34, Joseph Otero, the second, so we're going to call him Junior. He was only nine. And Josephine, who was 11. I'm trying not to laugh at the fact that the dad's name was Joseph and then his son's name was Joseph Junior and that his daughter's name was Josephine, but I can't stop. Can't stop quotes out. Bunch of Joes. Lots, lots of Joe, Joe going on. Lousy with Joes. She was 11. So as the daughter and the mother, mother, they like walked outside for some reason. Dennis Rader, who was a 28-year-old Mary Air, married Air Force veteran, severs the phone line and enters the East Wichita home. Rader later says that it, this was part of a sexual fantasy for him, that he didn't particularly know the family, but that he had chosen them. The difference in his plan was that he didn't expect Joseph to be home that day. He also mentions that he had a plan in place prior to going into the house, but once he got inside, everything changed. Raider explains that he sort of lost it, but in the back of his head, he knew what his plans were. Ugh. I got that from the actual transcript. 
So the first murder, I, I had a lot. I had more time, right? It was the very start to it before I realized how long this was going to be. And so I was able to actually read all the transcripts and kind of compare it from the interview. Mm-hmm. And then I really just had to go by sources from other sites. So he comes into the house and holds the family at gunpoint. Their dog was annoying, so he literally asks them to take it outside. Mm. Then he puts them all in the bedroom. At this time, Raider is saying he wants their car, food, money. Uh, Once he binds their hands and feet, somehow, like right in this moment, the way he talks about it is now that he realizes that he doesn't have a mask on. What? Like until he binds them. And he's like, oh, shit. Basically, is how he words it. Dumbass. He's ugly anyway. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Ontario, he had broken his ribs in a car accident and Raider had even put like a pillow down underneath his head. So there's going to be really weird moments of like him being a human in these murders. That's very, very confusing. That's so weird. And contradictory. He then thinks to himself, and this is his own wording, I need to put them down because he realizes that put him, put him down. Oh my God. Like they're an old dog farm animal. Yeah. I don't want to say dog. Oh my God. <laughs> So he puts a bag over Mr. Otero's head and some cords around his neck. At this time, his entire family is still in the room. They're in this one bedroom, including the kids, a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. As he's suffocating, he moves on to his wife. He says he's never strangled anyone before, so he didn't know what kind of pressure or how long it would take. So while the the father's dying, or not really because he had gotten a hole in the bag, like he was actually not dying, Mm. um, he goes over and strangles Mrs. Otero, but really she had only passed out. He then goes over and strangles Josephine, who, too, doesn't die, but only passes out. Mm. He puts a bag over Junior's head, but the mom comes back to life and she begs him to save her son. I mention this because I want everyone to realize she thinks her daughter's already dead because she's passed out next to her. I don't want her to think that she was only like save the son, oh, yeah, but no one had touched the son that, yet. Yeah. That was my first thought was, mm-hmm. like, okay, she was, hold- she was holding for that. Yeah. He said he actually took the bag off the kid's head and went back to her. And then strangled her with a rope or a cord. He doesn't remember what. Rude. Then he did the same to the father because he realizes that he didn't die, that there was a hole in the bag. So then he goes back and kills the dad. So the mom dies, then the dad dies. And then he literally says in his own wording, he said he's upset. So he just goes and kills the son anyway. Because he's upset. Yeah. He was like, the situation was upsetting. So I just killed him anyway. a pint of ice cream like everyone else. You fucker. Yeah. He takes him to another bedroom. Junior. And he now puts a shirt over his head with the bag so that it can't rip the bag, so that he can't rip the bag. He dies at the age of nine, mm. keeping in mind their feet, their feet and their um, arms were tied. Yeah. I read in a separate portion that he he actually pulled up the chair and watched Joseph Jr. die. What? Ew. I know. At this moment, Josephine wakes up. <sighs> She's the last alive in the Otero family. Raider forced her down to the basement and put a noose around her neck and told her she would be joining them in heaven. Raider hung her from a pipe in the basement. He left her partially undressed, so she had undies on and a shirt, and then masturbated over her legs, leaving semen on the pipes. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable. Okay, keep going. This is terrible. Yeah. Okay. He says that he goes through the house, cleaned it up a bit, or he go. let me, this is actually a quote, sorry. I went through the house, kind of cleaned it up. It's called the right hand rule. You go from room to room and pick everything up. I think I took Mr. Otero's watch. I guess I took a radio. I'd forgotten about that, but apparently I took a radio. Weirdo. When the judge had asked him why, he said he doesn't know. He took the family car and he drove it to a parking lot and left the car there and threw the keys 
on the roof of the store. So just through the keys. Mm. Yeah. The part I didn't mention is that there were three older siblings who weren't Where were they who weren't there that day. Ugh. They found their family mur- murdered after coming home from school. No. Yeah. <sighs> Keep in mind, it took 31 years for them to find him. 31 years after your family was brutally killed, including your nine and 11 year old siblings. And then you're. Yeah. And I you have to wait 31 years to find out who fucking did it. That's insane. I never thought about that part. Yeah. And that was the first murder. Fucker. Just a few months later, he strikes again. Raider had seen the beautiful young woman before and added her to the list of his projects. He always calls them. Everything you see is going to be referenced as like a project. Uh. Her name was Catherine Bright, and she was only 21 years old. On April 4th, so this is like three months later, 1974, he broke into her home from the porch. Or excuse me, I said three months later. Yeah, it was three months later. I want to make sure I was right. On April 4th, 1974, he broke into her home from the front porch and hid in the bedroom. Around 2 p.m., she arrived arrived home, but with her brother, Kevin, who was 19. And obviously, Raider wasn't expecting him. Mm-hmm. Raider came rushing out of the room with the gun pointing straight at them. He told them the same story that he was a wanted criminal and needed a car, food, and money because he was on his way to New York. He forced the two into the bedroom and ordered Kevin to tie his sister's hands and feet. He then took Kevin into the other room and tried to tie him up as well, but was not successful. Kevin is a mega badass. Like, this dude is the biggest fucking badass, and you're about to understand why. But he's like, no, I'm fighting. And he gets really close to taking the gun from him. It takes a sharp turn, though, when Raider shoots Kevin in his head, not once, but twice. Mm. After that, he goes back to Catherine and tries to strangle her, but she, too, fights back. He realizes he can't strangle her because she is obviously going to try to kick his ass like her brother did. And sadly, he ends up grabbing a knife and he stabs her multiple times in her abdomen. Oh, my God. I cannot explain how this happens. But while she's being attacked, her brother, who was shot in the head two times, escapes the house. He actually runs a few blocks, not steps, to his car and drove. No way. Somewhere to find help. Did he make it? We will get there. Okay. But imagine being shot twice in the head and and like being able to run and get in your car and drive. I can barely do that with no shots in the head. Right. Like now. And I'm not running anywhere. <laughs> Don't make me. I um, know. It's sad. I'll go back to it sad. It is sad. Well, okay. everything about this is going to be sad. So we're going to have to find areas. You know, of, humor is my coping mechanism. I know. And, and we're so. going to have to use it as okay. much as we can here. Okay. Sadly, after multiple surgeries, um, multiple emergency surgeries and blood transfusions, Catherine Bright dies at the age of 21. Her brother, Kevin, was in critical condition, but he did survive. He did. Yeah. Which I'm sure in the sad way of realizing he didn't get to save his sister. Mm. Yeah. But he tried. They're so so hard. Yeah. So hard. It's not like he was like, eh, it should be all right. Yeah. Then an editor at the Wichicock. <laughs> the Wichicock? The Wichicock? Yeah. The fucking A. And I have to say this a lot. So help me out, people. The Wichita, Wichita? Eagle. Rece- Wichita Eagle receives a strange <laughs> phone call that directs him to a mechanical engineering book at the Wichita, say it for me. Wichita, Wichita Public Wichita. Library. I like, I like Wichita better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Like Amanda, thank you, Wichita. I appreciate, but it's Wichita. <laughs> the important you. thing, y'all. I promise she's pretty. I, yeah. I promise. <laughs> That's the important thing. Ugh, fuck. All right, please find the book and a letter wedged inside, which reads in part: "Those three, dude." And I'm saying this the way that he wrote it. 
those three dude you have in custody are just talking to get publicity. The code words for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them. BTK. You see, he added again. They will be on the, on the next victim. Mm. Along with including then unknown details of the Otero killings, the letter is filled with what authorities come, come to recognize as the killer's peculiar brand of misspellings and grammatical errors, along with a distinct sexually suggestive signature. What this rocks the world. The bind them, torture them, kill them. Oh, uh, this rocks the world. Not only did we have a serial killer among us, but he is arrogant and aware that we have they haven't caught him. He is telling them that there will be more murders and leaves his own signature mark. He holds out a few years though. This is what's wild about BTK is that he goes years without killing. And from anything that we've seen before, if they were a serial killer. And I'll, and I'll mention it, too, and I'll try to skim. Well, here it is. I, my example was Dahmer, that he felt like the more that he could do it and get away with it, the more he was invincible. And it made him actually jump up in frequency, mm-hmm. but not BTK. Yeah, that is weird because most of the time they do escalate and do it more often. Yeah. And, and he, he was just kind of like, OK, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, he holds out for a few years, though, and he waits until March 17th of 1977. So it's been three years. And Raider decides to come out again as BTK. This is once I said, as I said, three years of silence. I have a million questions on his psyche and how he could just like stop, stop killing for years and then jump back. You'll hear more. Um, So he would be trolling through a neighborhood, like which is a terrifying thought. So we're always outside when it's good weather, doing stuff in our front yard where my house is. So many people drive by it. And it's like a terrible thought. That someone was just like driving through neighborhoods and like if you if you piqued their interest, this you are now a part of the you're now one of his projects. And that's why I stay inside. I'm never see, I'm never gonna be a project. Hope that garden was worth yeah, it. I like that Heather says that whenever she's out partying all the time and yeah, they're gonna find you. <laughs> you're still outside of the house, sister. Anywho, so on that day he was supposed to go after a woman named Cheryl, whom he had met at a bar, but she wasn't home. Uh, what an unreal moment for her when she finds out like 25 years fucking later that she was on BTK's list. She yeah. just wasn't fucking home. Yeah. Yeah. So he decided to go down Hydraulic Street and came in contact with a five-year-old boy named Steve Relford. So Raider pulled out a picture of his own wife and son. Yes, because he was a family man, everyone. That's so wild to me. And asks if they knew where, if he knew where they were. The boy wow. said no when he goes home. Later, Raider knocks on that door and Steve answers the door, the little boy. And he poses as a detective, which lets him inside the house with like no problem. The little kid's like, yeah, sure, come in. Um, including Steve, there were three other children in the house. Raider turns off the TV and turns down the blinds. The mother, Shirley Vian, she comes out of one of the rooms and she's startled. She's like, what the fuck? At gunpoint, he orders the children to go into the bathroom and locks them inside. He told Vianne that he had planned on having his way with her. Somehow, he was able to lead her to believe that it wasn't going to be rape, and he calmed her down by giving her a glass of water and smoked a cigarette with her. What? These are the moments of like him being human with his victims, and it just is so terrible. That that It's so terrible. Yeah. While the children were still screaming in the bathroom, Raider ties up their mother and strangles her to death by putting a cord around her neck. He left semen on her undies, which were found next to her body. In later years during his confession, Raider stated that the telephone rang, and that's what caused him to leave early, which he left the children in the bathroom still screaming for their mother. 
They do eventually escape and give the police a very vague description of the intruder as the three little kids find their dead mother on the floor. Oh, my God. Half naked. <sighs> By December of 1977, this is the same year, Raider becomes obsessed with stalking a 25-year-old named Nancy Fox, who was indeed a fox. She was super pretty. All of these women were pretty. On December 8th, he cut the phone line and then broke into her modest duplex from the back door. He waited in her home for her to get back from her job at a jewelry store. Since she lived alone, he had no trouble surprising her in the kitchen at, at gunpoint. He told her that he had a sexual issue and that in order to get rid of that issue, he had to tie her up and rape her. After being allowed to partially disrobe herself in the bathroom, he ordered her into the bedroom. He tied her up and undressed himself. He then started to strangle her. As he strangled her, he confessed to her that he was the BTK killer and everything he had done in the past. He left his semen here as well on the nightgown that was next to her. Ew. I didn't see, from what I'm, I don't know that he did rape them. I think, I don't know. I don't know that he raped them. Ugh. But I really wonder if they're if they were naked and they were adults. Like the girl still had her, her underwear on. It was on the pipe. I don't know if he just, he had said in the interview that it was after she had died. So I think that he ejaculates after he kills them Ugh. on them. Ew. I just picture him in my head because he's so yeah he's gross warning if you google this you'll likely come across the crime scene photos i accidentally saw the otero ones oh no which were the worst ones possible so they're all terrible but anyway um now on the following day day and i believe this is the following day but then i also read too that it was the same day he just can't handle not having her body be found because she did live alone and so on his way to work for the ADT alarm company, oh, he actually stops and goes to a payphone and he calls the police himself. What a he bastard. says, yes, you will find a home aside is how it's spelled home aside at 843 South Pershing, Nancy Fox. That is correct. And then left the receiver, the receiver like dangling. Wow. Yeah. The police rushed to the house at house. The police rushed to the house at 843 South Pershing and found Nancy's body strangled to death. The police tried to replay the recording of his voice many times, but they never found a match. I also hear, because he ends up having a daughter later on, that the second that the daughter heard it, like on the news one time, she knew it was her dad. Really? Yeah. But it was in the third, it was after, they did a 30 year like recap of the murders. Was he already? Okay. No. Yeah. Let's, we'll get there. Okay. There's 27 more pages of this. So. <laughs> so early in 1978 on January 31st, Raider is on fire in his mind. He not only wants to tell people that he's what he's done, but he wants to tease them, make fun of his victims and get more attention. He sends a sarcastic poem called Shirley Locks, Shirley Locks, Wilt Thou Be Mine to the to the fill it in, Heather. You got it. Just say it. Wichita. Eagle newspaper. <laughs> the women who receives it. Like the woman who it goes into like the main whatever. And the woman who gets it, she actually thinks it's a Valentine's Day note. And literally sends it to the... No, she sent... Her name's not Shirley, honey. Oh. She sends it to the classified department. So it didn't go... Oh. It went to... It, it fell on deaf ears because they didn't tie Shirley together with like the person that he killed. Oh. Yeah. So that was... I think that's a part of it. A, a part of like the confusion. I don't know why the fuck he did it. After the poem... He writes a serious letter, taking responsibility for the past seven hom- homicides. It's seven people now. Yeah. He's written the same way as the letter that was found in 1974. 
including a factor X, I air quote, which was apparently the reason for him to commit these horrible crimes. Like he acts like it's, he's just like, there's something wrong with me. The next letter that was found was mocking the murder of Nancy Fox entitled, Oh, Death to Nancy. And that was the one he had just killed. I don't think he killed, he didn't kill anyone named Shirley. Am I right on that? I got confused there. I don't don't think, I don't remember the names, unfortunately. So I don't know. I don't. There's a lot of this I don't remember. Oh, I think it's Shirley Vian. I think that was her. I I keep thinking of people by their last, yeah, Shirley Vian. So that was the mother of three that he had killed. And so he, he wrote that and they didn't tie it or put it together. So then he writes another one about the one that he killed after, which was Nancy Fox. And that's Oh Death to Nancy, which was mimicking the song Oh Death. Not only a few days later on February 10th, now 1978, um, the BTK threat is made public after another letter. Raiders apparently angered by the lack of response to his last attempt, likely because it went to the wrong department. No one understood his intent. And the killer sends a more direct message to the Wichita based K-A-K-E TV show or uh, station. How many people do I need to kill before I get my name in the newspaper or some national attention? He writes before reeling off a list of suggested nicknames for himself. Oh, no. Including uh, the BTK Strangler, the Wichita Hangman and the Asphyxiator. Those are dumb. He's dumb. (sighs) I don't like him. So basically he was doing it and he wanted the attention and he wasn't getting the attention. So he's like, um, so he's, he's putting all these hints out there, right? Like he's putting clues out there for the police. The fact they can't catch him is kind of really sad, Mm -hmm. but it's because of how Dennis Rader is so under the radar. Yeah. And it was, I mean, a million years ago before a lot of advancements. Yeah. DNA wasn't. Well, obviously well, they had, you could get DNA. His DNA wasn't on file. So it didn't matter. That's what we have to remember. If you're trying to kill Pete, no, I'm kidding. But if your DNA is not on file, unlike mine, because of Ancestry.com, thank you, Heather. <laughs> they and my fingerprints are on file. Thank you, my dumbass self, when I was 19 and got a DUI. So pretty much, I would be caught very quickly. But so many other people didn't have a drinking problem when they were 19, or decide to swab their mouth for a DNA test. You're so um, funny. <laughs> but anyway, doesn't he just sound like he has a small penis? Oh, 100%. 100%. That's why I don't think he rapes him either, because it's probably like finger banging somebody. <laughs> Ew. So the Wichita Police Department, uh, the chief, Richard Lemunian, I think, subsequently calls a news conference to reveal for the first fucking time the presence of the BTK Strangler in the no, area. They didn't make that public yet? No. Wow. Which is amazing. Be- well, I don't know... I just wonder if binding, like, it was BTK. He didn't torture them. Just FYI. Like, I don't see any e- evidence of him torturing them. He would bind them and strangle them. So I don't know if they just weren't, like, tying that, that together somehow. I yeah. don't know. I don't know either. Because their hands are tied behind their back and their feet are tied in every one of the photos. So it's like, it feels like there's an obvious coincidence in it. But I don't know. They take, and, and he's writing fucking notes and shit about it. So it's yeah. like, come on. Uh, basically, it's finally and and what they say is we have no reason but to believe the individual has the cap- the capability to kill again. He's he's now officially warning anyone. Uh, yeah. So basically, <laughs> it's finally time to be vigilant. And I feel like all of this should have happened earlier. I really do. I'd rather have the information and keep my gun on me all the time and be on high alert and, and not take fucking walks at night than not fucking know that someone's out there murdering exactly women who are by themselves. Yeah, I feel because like- the the Otero family. The dad wasn't supposed to be home. Mm-hmm. Kevin wasn't supposed to be home whenever he tried to save his sister. Mm-hmm. The men aren't supposed to be there. Yeah. It was always supposed to be women. 
Yeah, that's they should have told people. We have a right to know. Mm-hmm. And so that we can be more aware. I mean, as a as a woman, I think everyone feels like they have a duty to be aware. Like mm-hmm. we have to be because this shit fucking happens. Yeah. And yes, yes, you do find a lot of serial killer like people. But guess what? It's still a man killing a man. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's not a like besides Eileen Warnos, there's not a lot of people like a lot of, you know, women being serial killers against other women in this way. It's just I don't know. Like I'm I'm a very aware person. I have a huge freaking thing of pepper spray on my keychain. But I would be a hell of a lot more aware. If they said that if you knew it was in your area too. Yes. Cuz we feel pretty safe here. Yeah, 100%. So if someone said that this was happening, of course we're going to be on high alert. Like I'm like I'm staying alone this weekend, like besides you tonight. But like, I I wouldn't have been alone last night mm-hmm. because if you knew that there was a killer in Owensboro, Kentucky. Yeah. Sometimes they hold that stuff back to to prevent f- people for freaking one, out. He was being braggy, so they didn't. They didn't maybe they him, thought yeah. that he would stop. I don't know. And that they he wanted the attention mass, and the fear. They didn't want to cause mass hysteria. So yeah, they probably kept that. I know, but like, what's I'd rather have mass. Hysteria, right? Yeah. So I could be more safe. Well, the old white man back in the, was it 70s? You're right. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. You're like, those little ladies, we'll protect them. God. <laughs> yeah. Now on April 28th, 1979, another target barely escapes simply because she took too long to come home. Raider lies in wait for Anna Williams, but gives up and leaves when the 63-year-old woman takes too long to return home. Less than two months later... Williams learns of her brush with death when she receives several of her personal items by mail, along with a poem titled, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? Oh, my gosh. Please take a moment to let that sink in. Is she the one that went dancing? I feel like one of them went like line dancing or something, and she was like, she decided to go that night. Um, That probably could. Yeah, I feel like I can't remember. The other woman, she was on a date with her boyfriend. So I feel like that she might be. I feel like that was her. Yeah. She was the one that decided to go line dancing with her friend. I saw on one of the specials. Oh, my gosh. I I remember four things about the story. And that's one of them. Because I was like, how crazy would be a spontaneous little Tuesday or whatever just to go like, yeah, Yeah. you know what? I think I'm going to go line dancing. So now I'm going to start saying yes to more stuff. So I don't get murdered. Yeah, because you say no so often. I do. (laughs) So imagine, imagine that though, like two months later, I just start getting like my hairbrush that I thought I lost. One of my scrunchies. <laughs> One of your scrunchies. My panties. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then someone's like, oh, why weren't you home? Yeah. What the fuck? That's insane. That is terrifying. It that is, is terrifying. I'm glad she went boot scooting boogie on. Agreed. Agreed. On August 14th, 1979, seeking help from the public, authorities released the recording of BTK's December 1977 phone call to report the death of Nancy Fox. Tips start pouring in from listeners who think they recognize the voice, though no relevant information yeah. emerges. His daughter is too young at that time. That is not. Have you heard it? No. I well, so either. I because of because of my what's the word where I wait until the last minute per- procrastination. procrastination. Yeah. Because of that, I didn't have time to watch it, but I was dying to because I could have watched him interview all of them. I read transcripts I of it. the interview. Yeah. We'll I do that tonight. It, yeah. And then of course it all freezes again into cold cases. Mm. Pun intended. Oh. Five years later in eighty four, the Ghostbusters are formed. This is Chief Lemunian establishes a task force devoted to BTK crimes, literally nicknamed the Ghostbusters, legit after the fucking movie. Really? Which is whatever. What's his last name? Moonian. Lemunian. That sounds like a French onion dish. Okay, keep going. The, every time. It's Lemunian. You're not wrong. 
Every time you say it, I'm like, that sounds like something I would not eat. But keep yeah, going. it does. Okay, keep going. Uh, the task force, which includes a young officer named Ken Ladweer, who will spearhead later efforts to track down the killer, takes pains to carefully organize and preserve valuable effort evidence. So if you watch a show on Netflix, you get to see the you get to see the Ghostbusters. And they're in their 60s now, probably little silver foxes all oh. over the place. And they literally talk about how they dedicated their lives for years over this and how they were eating terrible and they were just like getting fast food and that they were living off of Mountain Dew because it had the highest. You, we watched this together. We did. Yeah. They had the highest caffeine content. Yeah. And that whenever they would come home after work, they'd like lay down to maybe get four hours of sleep and they couldn't sleep. Because How could you? they had kids. The thing is, they all had kids. All of the all of the dads, they were all dads who were a part of the Ghostbusters, and so they they had to do both. Yeah, and they well they saw it, and obviously they had stellar wives. Yeah, but like they they were worried that their family would their families would be killed next because it would be that essentially that's what oh BTK was doing. So anywho, they they literally mentioned like they would go back into the office at four in the morning and other cops were already there working the case. So there was no lack of them trying. There just wasn't fucking the evidence yeah. there for them to get it. Mm-hmm. So anywho, I need to stop saying anywho today. <laughs> Things are calm for a bit. But then on April 27th, 1985, Raiders actual fucking neighbor is strangled. This to me is where he officially starts to fuck shit up. He escalates and he loses his goddamn his mind. neighbor. Yeah, in his neighborhood. It's like somebody in Deer Valley. So he just walked over? Okay. Uh, no. Oh. This shit, fuck. Okay. By this time, it had been many years since his last murder. Let's see where Raider is in his real life. He's now involved in his church. And once his son became old enough, Raider actually became a Boy Scout leader. Oh, gross. So he has two kids, Brian and Carrie, and he's 40 years old. He was 28 whenever we started this. Ugh. His next victim is 53-year-old Marine Hedge. Killer name. Yeah. She was a widow and described as a kind and gentle woman. Hedge and Raider lived on the same block for over 30 years in Park City. On April 27, 85, Raider was in the was in the middle of a Boy Scout meeting when he stated that he had a headache and needed to leave to get medicine. He left and walked to his car that was near a bowling alley. He went inside and bought a beer. He swished the beer in his mouth then spit it out, purposefully spilling some on his clothing so that onlookers would think that he was drunk. He called a cab pretending to be drunk and told the driver to take him to Park City. What? Yeah. Once he gets to Hedge's home, he sees her car and assumes that she's home. He cut the phone line like he usually does and he quietly opens the back door to sneak in. He realizes no one was home and waited in the bedroom until he saw a car pull into the driveway. Maureen Hedge was on a date with her boyfriend Mm. and he walks into the house with, with her. Raider waits in the bedroom closet until one in the morning. Oh, my God. So who knows? I guess he just left the he left the Boy Scout meeting. That was probably like eight o'clock at night or something. And then goes, he's like, I'm going to kill her and plays this whole scenario out. Wow. And waits until they're at one o'clock until her boyfriend leaves. Mm. And Maureen has gone to sleep. He comes out of hiding, turns on the bathroom light and jumps on top of her and chokes her to death. No, 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 no. I'm going to sleep with my closet open for the rest of my life. Well, once she passes, he drags her body outside no. to the trunk of her car. Why? He then drives to the church that he goes to regularly. And because he's a trusted member of the church, he has keys to the building. So he puts black plastic all over the window so no one can look inside. He drags her body to the basement of the church and he photographs her in multiple different poses before putting her body back in the trunk of the car and taking off. 
He dumps the body in a ditch along a dirt road not far from her home, their home, essentially in Park City. So this part just blows me away because not only did he get the cops, he he gets the cops essentially to his street, right? His neighborhood. Yeah. He brings the body to his church. He's officially tying himself to the murders at this point. I also can't believe that he transports the body so many times. Like his arrogance and lack of fear of getting caught is so unbelievable right now. Mm. I don't even think you can make this shit up. No, he. Okay. He makes me so mad. Like, I forget how angry. How angry he makes me. Yeah. By September of 1986, uh, Vicki Weggerly, this one is a bummer. She's 28 at the time and a mother of two. And she had caught his fucking attention. He would walk by her house during the day and listen to her play the piano. Oh, my God. He thought this murder out carefully, calling it his PJ project. project. I don't know why PJ. Why? I don't know. At 10 a.m. on September 16th, Raider dresses up as a telephone repairman and he knocks on Wagerly's, I'm going to say Wagerly's, I could be wrong, guys, door. She let him into her home thinking that he was going to fix the phone line. Instead, he cuts the line. Oh. And tells her that he was going to tie her up. At gunpoint, he forces her into the bedroom and tried to tie her up to, sorry, he says he's going to tie her up, brings her into the bedroom. He tries to tie her up, but she's a fighter and she causes cuts and scratches on him. He grabs a rope and sadly chokes her to death. Where are her kids? After that, he took photos of the body in different positions, then left, stealing her car. Soon after that, Bill, her husband, oh no, is driving down the street and sees his own car pass him. No, no, no. In the opposite direction of the house. But he couldn't identify the driver. This would flip me the fuck out. So mm-hmm. you know that I have a vehicle that you know is mine. Travis has a vehicle that I know is his because of he has a plate on the front so i always know whenever i'm passing him that it's him i couldn't fucking imagine yeah like you're passing your vehicle that you know is your vehicle and someone else is in the car yeah that's wild so when he arrives home he sees his two-year-old son by himself Mm. in the living room he searches the house for his wife and finds her on the floor behind the bed in their bedroom she's rushed to the hospital but she's pronounced dead after a few hours after this was happening or as this was happening Raider was disposing of the evidence and parked their car just a few blocks away from the home. He went to his own home, changed his clothes, and went on with his day like he always did. He's crazy. Being the good church-going dad. Sadly, they think Bill is the murderer. This one doesn't get they the same think... scenario because she wasn't bind. Oh, because she didn't have she her... She was just strangled. She wasn't bound, so yeah. they thought that... Every time you, that I hear you all talk about or anybody talk about like a kid being left. I was like, who's you all? It, the, just you. I only talk to you. Just you. <laughs> I'm like, who are you talking to about murder? <laughs> just you. <laughs> no, but whenever there's a kid left behind, I always think of um, Dexter. Yep, me too. Whenever, yep. like if you all have seen the TV show Dexter. Oh, okay. Don't say it because if somebody, who knows? That's I all. Don't, just I don't watch want a spoiler alert. It's then. a good show. It is a good show, but that's that had me bawling. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so yeah. sad. It's mm-hmm. so sad. So, um, as I mentioned, Bill is the one who is uh, suspected of the crime, but because BTK did take photos, I don't know how long he was a suspect, but obviously he's not later on. In 91, so this is years, years later, Raider realizes he will get his ass beat if he fucks around with younger women. So, he decides to be a pussy and go for older women now. Of course he does. He chooses the beautiful Dolores Davis, who's 62 and she lives on her own. Davis lived a mile and a half away from Raider. 
So still very close. Yeah. Where he noticed her at her home. Again, choosing victims that were close to him in proximity. He had a very well thought out plan to get what would end up being his last victim. Finally. Good. He was going now. But I need you to I need everyone to walk with me on what I'm about to tell you on how the absolute fucking hell this happened. Okay. Okay. He was going camping with the Boy Scouts over the weekend. Oh, On January 19th, 1991, he came up with an excuse to slip away from one of the scout meetings. He drove his car to his parents' house to change out of his scout uniform and into his quote-unquote hit clothes. Insert fucking eye roll. Yeah. He then drove to the Baptist Church in Park City to park his car and finish his plan out on foot. So once more, just want everyone to realize here, he leaves his, his child's oh, yeah. Boy Scout trip yeah. to go murder a 62-year-old woman. Uh, I hate this guy. Keep going. <laughs> Once he got to the Davis house, he waited outside until he saw that she was asleep. He broke the glass door at the back of the house with a cement block that he found. Oh, no. Dolores comes out of the bedroom and she finds Raider. That must have been truly the most horrifyingly terrifying moment. How scary would I that be? I could not even imagine. Yeah. He uses the same line as he had almost every time, saying that he needed money, a car, food, and that he was going to tie her up. So he basically does this and makes, I think it, it lowers their their guard, right? Like, if someone's going to come into your house, God, this whole situation sucks, but they're like, I'm going to tie you up and I'm going to rob you. That's pretty much what he's saying. I'd be like, take what you want. Do you want me to make you a sandwich first? I'm not a good cook. There's leftovers but, in there. My friend is. I'll call Brooklyn. She can oh, make that, you that'd be something. Great. We, we, we always say if we go down we're going down together so. I'd be so pissed if you invited me to the house where there's like a killer we need a code word we do we're gonna talk if about that off the line off nope. the line off the line oh that's smart see I would be Look like Heather. God it damn, is guys. penguins I know and then everyone's like I heard her say penguins shoot her in the head god Heather <laughs> so sadly he ties her up in the bedroom and he strangle he strangles her to death Raider took the body outside and put her in the trunk of her own car. He drove to a lake near Park City and hid the body and evidence under some trees. He drove the car back to the Davis house, wiped it down for fingerprints, and then left to go back to the church. He went back to where he hid the body, put it in his trunk, and dumped the body under a bridge in Sedgwick County. Raider then somewhere, like he went somewhere to change, into his scout uniform mm -mm. and returned back to the camp. Piece the of following shit. evening, he went back to where the body was found and took photos of it. Ew. So he just like leaves, leaves Boy Scout camp, murder someone, comes Ew, back. Could you imagine being in but that? I couldn't that imagine being his kids or that. I couldn't imagine being but his But even two kids. just being friends with this kid and being like, this guy took me out in the woods when I was Oh little. my God, there's so many, so many people are fucking scarred by this. Mm -hmm. So many people. Yeah. From 1991 to 2004, BTK stayed in hiding. No one heard from him for over 10 years. After this, he, and people thought he either died or that he was in jail. Mm -hmm. That's what people had figured. After this, he seemed to be preoccupied by his day-to-day -day duties as a Park City compliance officer, a father of two, and he just basically drops off the map. Is he married? Sorry. Yeah. Ugh. He's married. But remember, he had said he showed a photo of his wife and his son to mm. the little boy to get the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the 30th anniversary, so everything everything goes haywire on the 30th anniversary okay. of the Otero murder. The Wichita Eagle newspaper ran an article about the crime and BTK. A book by Robert Beatty 
came out about the nightmare that haunted Wichita, Kansas, a.k.a. BTK. This book and the article angered Raider because he thought they were trying to tell his own story. Oh, God. He's such a piece of shit. He's a baby penis. Yeah. He's a baby penis. Micro He's a micro He is a baby carrot pussy ass bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So on March 17th, 2004, Raider mailed a letter to the Wichita Eagle from an undercover name, Bill Thompson Kilman. BTK. The envelope had three photocopy pictures of the ones he took of Vicki Weggerly and her driver's license, then signed it with the same signature that he had used in the previous letters. The letter was sent to the FBI and the investigation on BTK started again, hitting the media and Internet because now we have Internet. Yeah. Raider sent another letter on May 5th, 2004 to KAKE TV. It was a word puzzle that contained a deeper meaning with letters and numbers. I'll mention that again, or I'll mention that later. Next, on June 9th, 2004, he left a package taped to a sign in the middle of the city, which had a gruesome description of the Otero murders and a sketch of a dead body hanging by a rope. He titled the sketch, The Sexual Thrill is My Bill. Ew. On June 17th, 2004, there was another package labeled BTK that was found at the Wichita Public Library. In this letter, Raider explained that time was running out for him and he wanted to wait for the right time for his next hit. The fifth item dropped by Raider was on October 22nd, 2004, when it was found by a UPS driver. There was a collage of children with bindings drawn across their bodies and faces inside the manila envelope. It also contained an autobiography that listed false details about BTK. For example, the year he was born and the area that he lived in to mislead police officers. Just eight days after Raider became the president of the church council at the Christ Lutheran Church, there was a special K box with markings BTK and bomb in the back of a pickup truck. Inside the box was information on his projects and that he had watched or stalked along with even more misleading information. Also in, inside the box was a question asking if, there, if a floppy disk was made, would you be able to trace it back to the computer that it was used to make it? Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Also, <laughs> what people believe is yeah. that the special K box, a serial box for a serial killer. Oh, I never even... <laughs> yeah, amazingly. I, wow. Yeah. Later, the police replied and said no, which of course was a fucking lie, you idiot. The <laughs> next clue found was another cereal box discovered on January 25th, 2005, after he sent directions to KAKE TV on where to find the box. On this one, inside the box was a doll with rope around its neck and tied to a pipe simulating the murder of Josephine oh. Otero. So the 10th drop. 10. 10th fucking thing that what he did. The fuck was a postcard that arrived on February 3rd, 2005 that was sent to KAKE saying that he was going to send a floppy disk because he's a fucking idiot. So they they find it and the police analyzed the floppy disk which drew them back to the Christ Lutheran Church under the name Dennis. <laughs> so they looked stupid. up the church and found the name of the president who was Dennis Rader. Dennis. He's an idiot and I'm glad. And he did it at church. So keep in mind, he, he was at church. And sent that a floppy disk. so gross. With all of the information about his murders. Wow. They drove past his home one day in an undercover vehicle and saw a familiar car that came from past security cameras. It was Raider's black Jeep Cherokee. The police asked his daughter Carrie for a DNA sample saying it was for a medical record. But in reality, the police were using it to match the semen that was found at the past crime scenes left wow. by BTK. Can they do that? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, I read that too wait, and I was like... They could just wait and be like, are you done with that? Like, 
just go pick up her trash. Yeah. They can legally do that, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. I'm just going to say I have a degree like everybody else right. that we talk about. The Wichita Police Department found a match, and they finally solved the case after 30 years. That's insane. Let's all just take a deep breath. That was so much. That, yeah. On February 25th, 2005, the WPD surrounded Raider's car after he ate lunch at work and led him to a waiting uh, police car where he was handcuffed. That same day, Raider was arrested. He was taken to an interrogation room where at first he didn't want to talk about anything, but soon he, and I watched this part and they're like, just, we have evidence. Like we have all the evidence. Just tell us who you are. And he literally like leans over and he's like, BTK. Ew. Yeah. He's such a creep too. He like, then gives a 30 hour confession. Of course he does. That you can he see online. To all hear of this himself is online. Fucking talk. In his confession, he talked highly about his crimes and it was evidence that he was proud of what he had done mm-hmm. and he liked all the publicity he was getting of for it. Of course he did. The next day, he took his first mugshot and realized that the police were not on his side. I don't know why the fuck they would ever he would ever think that. On March 1st, the, pu- the public was finally able to see a live video of BTK receiving the charges against him before he was found guilty. The court had a lot of the ev- a lot of evidence against Raider after they searched his home. They found his mother load which contained the original BTK letters, victims' driver's licenses, photos that were taken, cutouts from newspaper articles, and artwork that was found in a cabinet in his home office. So he had everything. Yeah. How many people did he... I mean, 10. He killed 10 people Uh, over 30 years. But I just can't believe that his wife never... Like, I'm, I'm not... I'm never here to blame anyone who is also a victim in this. Essentially, like, the families are victims in it as well. I just... It just still always shocks me that people don't notice things. But you know what I think about? There's a there's something in, there's like a thing in the garage of Travis's that he puts in hunting gear in. You know, like there's stuff. I guess I would never check. I'll never check until today. I'm gonna we're gonna go through it all. No, I'm kidding. He's, just kidding. Travis <laughs> says pads. it goes hunting, hunt, but right? you don't know he hunts uh, humans. No, I'm what kidding. he does. He's with his son. That'd be real fucked up. That would be definitely anyway. an episode. I call it. I'm doing. Oh my it. god! <laughs> don't say. <laughs> he would never. Okay. Raiders family and friends are friends are all fucking devastated when they find out about it because no one, no one thought he could have done it. He was the president of their church. He was a Boy Scout leader. He was a great literally, dad. Because that's what everybody always says. What are you, a Boy Scout? Yeah. And he literally was a Boy Scout leader. Yeah. And gross. His wife, Paula Dietz, did an emergency divorce. Yeah. Right after he was arrested. What would she put for the reasoning? Oh my God. Psycho murder. <laughs> Leaves His, the toilet seat up. Dennis Raider's court case started on July 27th of 2005 for all 10 victims. Raider confessed with much detail and no remorse, pleading guilty. Family members of each victim were able to speak, telling Raider the hatred they have for him and how they will never be able to see their loved ones again. After that, Raider was able to give a statement where he talked for 20 to 30 minutes on what was supposed to be an apology, but he mainly just talked about himself. Of course he did. Ew. It was very obvious to the court and the millions of viewers that he was not truly sorry for his actions and that he liked the attention he was getting for it. Yeah. On August 18th, 2005, Judge Waller sentenced Dennis Rader to life in prison. Rader would not be eligible for parole until 2180. So he got 175 years. He was also not allowed access to materials that would fulfill his fantasies. Good. So he, on August 19th, the very next day, he was taken to his new home, the El Dorado Correctional Facility in El Dorado, Kansas. He is currently in solitary confinement, allowed one hour of exercise per day, and has some limited access to television, radio, and magazines. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? He's still alive? 
Yeah. I didn't I don't guess I realized he was still alive. Totally still. He's not very he's still not very all that old, you know what I mean? Probably I in the wanna, 60s, I guess. I want to have to see. I want to see him. Well, Google that ass. <laughs> I had to look to see like where he was right now because I'm glad that they I'm glad that they were like you can't read read or see anything. Good. Because he's in all these Netflix. He's in so many oh, documentaries yeah. now, so many movies, so many things. This would have his dick harder than a rock. Ew, his little baby one. So that's the terrible story of God, uh, that the was BTK good. killer. That was good. That was a big old bomb drop that I just did one of the top 10. Ser- like to me, he yeah. was in our top 10 list. Yeah. And so I thought it would be a fun surprise to you was- to treat you. Because <laughs> I, if you just came out all of a sudden and, and did freaking Ed Kemper. Yes, or any of them. No, I know. Where it's like a big one. It's yeah. a lot. We're already at an hour, and I'm like, my throat's sore. <laughs> but fuck him. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that was kind of my gift. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Completed. Yeah. I can see again. I just ran to get a cloth to clean Heather's glasses, and now I'm breathing hard. <laughs> so I'm ready. Appreciate it. She's doing Zoomies. All Always. for my benefit. Always. I do zoomies all around this office. Like a fucking wild dog. You really do. Like a dog that has to poop. Yes. Gotta shake him down. That's what Travis always said. Shook it out of her. I know. Okay. Um, are you ready? I'm so ready. Do you, um, I'm ready to not talk. That's what podcasts are all about. We're just going to heavy breathe for the next 30 minutes. You guys enjoy. This is the story of Charles Albright. I'm not telling you his nickname. I know this name. I'm not telling you his nickname. Then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, oh. Freeman Stone. <laughs> I need to look. So Don't look. Let me don't look. look. Just put your phone uh, down. Fine. You, you literally, we did such a good job of not telling each other. And then I, I tell you the name and you immediately grab your phone. <laughs> I wanna, I'm going to tell you. Him. Okay. Oh, shh. Sh- <laughs> the sources today, episode 39 of My Favorite Murder, which is where I first learned about it. Our favorite, our favorite loves. The Yes. Wikipedia, YouTube, Oxygen.com. And then I didn't get to watch this. I watched part of it. Mark of a Serial Killer, Season 1, Episode 3, if you guys want to see this. Which I want to watch that later. Just, you know. Okay. Let's actually remember. Okay. I was going to say mine's a wild bummer bear story, but um, yours was, too. So, And they all are, so. Okay. December 13th, 1990. Dispatch puts in a call for a woman's body that had been found in Cotton Valley on the outskirts of Dallas, Texas. They found the body of Mary Lou Pratt laying on the street at 4.20 a.m. wearing a bra and a t-shirt that was <gasps> pulled up. And she'd been shot execution style in the back of the head with a 44 caliber gun. I don't remember this, and I hate that you won't let me Google. I know the story. I know the names. Mary was, uh, she was a 33-year-old well-known sex worker in the area, and she was last seen working in Dallas a few days before that. When they did the autopsy, the killer had removed and taken both of her eyeballs. Postmortem. Okay, thank God. With such such surgical precision that the outer eyelid and nothing was damaged at all, like during the removal, because it, it it's not easy. I don't even want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to know. Well, I'm not going to tell you. So <laughs> I just I don't even want to know how hard it is to remove an yeah, eyeball. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's just popping. I mean, we've seen shows, you know, like like where they pop, they yeah, you know, <laughs> in their eyeballs. Ride a motorcycle? <laughs> right. <laughs> ring, ring. That's what you just did. <laughs> okay, not funny. We got to go back down. Okay. <laughs> okay, then 
February 10th, 91, the police found the body of Susan Peterson, who was also a sex worker. She was shot twice in the back of the head and once through the chest. Her eyes were also removed, just like Mary's. In both cases, the killer closed the lids back so the discovery wasn't made until the autopsy was performed. What a crazy fucking signature mark. Yep. She worked in the same area as Mary, and they were both positioned the same as well whenever they found the bodies. Okay. March 18th, 91, a 41-year-old part-time sex worker named Shirley Williams was found. She was completely naked, had a broken nose and bruises and cuts and everything, and she had been shot in the top of her head. She, Shirley had an X-Acto knife that was broken off into one of her wounds. And then if you probably guessed that her eyes were also gone. Mm. Uh, word gets out and two officers remember something that they, that happened How a few months. How hard you hurt someone to get an X-Acto knife stuck in? Yeah. Like it broke I off. I mean, they're thin blades, I guess, but my God, they're sharper. Ugh, okay. They're X-Acto. Oh Don't God. give me that look. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so word gets out of this, and two officers remember something that, that happened them months earlier. A sex worker named Veronica Rodriguez had kind of them saying she'd been raped in the woods and somehow got away. So Veronica, she after that happened, she somehow escaped and ran to Axton Schindler's house, which happened to be nearby, and then he saved her by giving her a ride like to the police station. Axon was a truck driver, and the cops found it kind of odd that he claimed to know nothing about the attack. He just... They said he was kind of paranoid. He, like, collected garbage, and he was just odd. Like, very paranoid. Ooh. His license... Truck drivers are terrifying. That's all I have to say. There's a lot... I mean... I've read a book about a truck driver who took a girl from a bar and put her in a coffin box in his truck for a year and would never let her out, and she would have to shit in the box, and he would rape her and then throw, like, a cheeseburger at her. And it was the most disgusting, terrifying thing I've ever read. And then she ended up being a badass afterwards because she did survive. Yeah. And she would uh, then kill perpetrators. But anyway, it was terrifying. Well, in the books you read. I know. (laughs) This is... Maybe I need to... (laughs) Tiffany, <laughs> you always like, I read this book and I then know. you tell me the worst thing ever. And I'm like, okay. Why did you choose that? Or you do that or sell like, it's like improvement in healthy books or it's like the worst the girl yeah. on the 18 wheel. I like extremes. I, yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. So Axton, he said he rented a house at 1035 El Dorado street, which is on his driver's license also. But apparently that was a fake address. Random. Okay. That home belonged to Fred Albright, who had apparently passed. So in May, an officer hears hears them talking about Albright and like Fred Albright and then Schindler. And he remembers taking a call from a woman who said that Mary Lou Pratt was a friend of hers, the first body that they found. The caller said that Mary dated this guy named Charles Albright. Charles kept those exacto knife blades in his attic for some reason, and he was obsessed with eyes and eyeballs. How would you know that someone was obsessed with eyes and eyeballs? I mean, if Travis, like if someone said, what is Travis like? I would be like, he's obsessed with hunting. Like, and then I'll, you know what I mean? So like, you know, if I know, but that's a hobby. Eyeballs isn't a hobby. But I mean, if you, I guess if you talk about it all the time. Then I'd be like, so if you were a serial killer, you'd cut off their lips because you're obsessed with lips. What? Right. (laughs) You're obsessed with lips. I'm obsessed with lips. Right. No. You know you are. Yes, yeah, so you're like... I'm obsessed with lip plumper yes, on my and lip, person. I know, but yeah. that would be... Yeah. There's just a Teeth. serial killer with like lips fucking... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a weird thing for somebody it, to be upset. Unless they're an op, like a freaking optotri... Whatever is a person that checks eyeballs. 
Yeah. I don't know what's called. I can't. I don't I want, is it an obstetrician? Obstetrician. Obstetrician. And God, we are bright, bright shining stars. Mumbles are like Worcestershire. <laughs> okay. So Charles, the eyeball obsessed man, he had inherited that home from his dad, Fred. Okay. Now we're going to go into Charles a little bit because, you know, I like to do that. And his past is pretty wild. So two people, Fred and Dale, adopted Charles from an orphanage in Amarillo, Texas. And then I made a note. To say, you remember me telling you that I thought that it was called Orphan Inch when I was younger. Like, I didn't know it was orphanage. Like, one word. Heather, I don't <laughs> think I knew that. Did you not? <laughs> no. I mean, how would I know any different? I never saw it written out. I mean, two ends meet. I can't say shit. I mean... <laughs> anyway, it's not Orphan Inch. It's not an inch of an orphan. It is an orphanage. Got it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for clearing that up. You're I, well, I mean, known. there might be somebody out there that I can reach and touch. You know what I mean? If I can reach yeah. one person who feels that, that's why we're here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Apparently, Dell, the mom, was like nutso bizarro. She was a teacher by day and then super strict and overprotective like wingnut. When he was only one, she put him in a dark room alone for chewing on a tape measure. First of all, bitch, why is the tape measure out? That's your fault. He's one. You're the parent. Like put it up. They put everything in their mouths. I know. I yeah. just so then I mean, she put him in a dark room and was like, "You're being punished." Fuck she her. she made him hit the book the books pretty hard, and he ended up skipping two grades because apparently he was super duper smart. She ba- like there's two two ways this goes. Some of the stuff that I read said that she was babying him, and then some of it said that she was super strict. And I think it's kind of a that's confusing happy medium. But well, that I'm sounds gonna, like she'd be great. Kinda. She's not super strict and she didn't bathe him, then she was a good mom. I mean, yeah. Right? Mm. I don't know. Because okay. sometimes she was overprotective and like a, like to an extreme. And then sometimes it's she pampered him to the extreme. So it's, I don't know. If, sounds great on paper, but it's really not. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous though because she kept goats in their backyard just because <laughs> she didn't want him to drink like milk from a cow. She okay. said that. that so he so got she's have, committed. She leaned so in. So he got to have goats. Sometimes she would make him dress up like a little girl, had him play with dolls and stuff. And her germaphobe ass changed his clothes multiple times a day. She didn't want him to get dirty at all. And he's a little boy, too. So Dell even took him to a polio wing to see the iron lungs at the hospital because she didn't want him to touch touch dog shit and get polio, which is not. I have so many things to unpack on that, but I'm going to just scoot on. Not how you get polio, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. How do you get polio? I think it's in the air. I think I it's know. just, it's airborne. Okay. So I don't like think COVID. it's from like playing Play-Doh with dog turds. I don't, but anyway. Ew. What? I don't do it. I <laughs> didn't say he did. She spanked him for not drinking all his goat milk and tied him to the bed when he refused naps. So like I said, it sounded all fun and games at the beginning when I talked about her. And then I kept <sighs> reading more and was like, mm, no. She lectured him on how to treat women and said, don't be like your dad. Apparently, and she tells her son this. She was in her bra and underwear in the bedroom, and she didn't like how grabby he was and told her son that he was greedy with sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm in my bra and undies... You've and, said undies so many times. This, I literally went through the thing. I was like, I'm going to choose undies because it makes me not feel dirty, and it, it just feels like the right thing to say, especially in the moments of what we're talking about. Yeah. But wouldn't you want your husband to be grabby? As long as he wasn't like grabby, like grab your face and slam you into the wall. Uh, yeah. And he's just like, hey, sexy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So when he started dating, of course, she was still a wingnut. So 
she would call the parents and basically say, hey, my son's not going to fuck your kid before they would go out. She would drive them. She'd go with them. I mean, it was the 50s. So she's still. a psycho mom uh-huh. that obviously bred a serial killer. Because yeah. this is 100% breeding of a serial yeah. killer. Around this time, they were like, oh, you know what would be a good gift? Let's get him a gun. Mm. So they did that. So then he would start killing animals. And then he got really into taxidermy. His mom had like leaned into that and helped him with all this stuff, but she was apparently like a cheap ass. So instead, I guess they have like glass eyes that go in the animals for that. I don't know. She would sew on buttons instead on the eyes. Oh my God. Like this, I bet was a really good show. Yeah. Do you think about the movie? Yeah. What movie are you thinking of right now? I don't know. Buttons for eyes. Oh. The one you made me watch. Coraline. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about like taxidermy fucking animals with buttons in their eyes. Like I was not thinking about the fucking adorable movie I watched during the fall (laughs) called Coraline. (laughs) But thank you. You're welcome. Around age 13, he started getting some petty charges like assault, petty thefts and shit like that. He graduated from high school and he was only 15. And then he went on to North Texas University and he wanted to be a surgeon. So foreshadow. He was thrown into jail at 16 years old for stealing some petty cash. And I wrote, I should say petty more because I say it like 400 times. Undies. Uh, anywho. <laughs> Those are my words oh, of yeah, choice anywho. today. Anywho. <laughs> you, you said that and I was like, does she want me to keep going? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought you were trying to get no, me to No, it was like talking. my breather in between sadness and mine. So yeah. I wrote it a few too many times. It happens. Ah, it does. And then, so he gets out of jail, goes back to school, and then he got caught stealing again. So they kicked him out. Instead of trying to find a way to finish, he broke into the president of the college's office, used their typewriter, and forged forged a bachelor's and master's degree from the university. That was smart. So that was real. Most smart. of them are just like, I promise, I have a degree. They're not like, Hey, watch this. Yeah, same font, same typewriter. Charles apparently had Man, a, that's smart. Yeah. I hate to be impressed by a fucking murder, but that was smart. Yeah. Charles apparently had a girlfriend in college and they end up getting married and having a kid. Now as one does. Right. Somehow he begins teaching science at a high school. Probably just by showing him that fake degree. He he was he could really those... just read the textbook chapter the day before. Like let let's be honest. <laughs> like no disrespect if you're a teacher out there. You know what that was probably that was probably rude. I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, I just feel no, like it's all off of a freaking book. Read the chapters in advance. I and mean, he if could he was it. smart in life, then he yeah, could probably figure it out. I think so. He was one of the double life serial killers though, so he blended in really really well. Kind of like your like he went to church. Everybody liked him. They just thought he was a nerd. He that people said that he had a Pied Piper ability to captivate people. Even his neighbors would ask him sometimes to watch watch their kids. And Burping. yeah, I feel like back then though they would just kind of hand them over to. They could like, have a Here. bush light in their hand and they're like, "Can you watch yeah. Jeremy for me for a second? <laughs> yes. And Charles got caught being Winona Ryder again in 1965. So then his, <laughs> his, his wife was like, no, we're done. And that, so they made it a whole six months. So she she divorced him because he was stealing? He got caught stealing again. What was he? Do we know what he was stealing? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just super curious. Was it like a fucking car or was it like so $50 from again. the mall or something? Who knows? Petty cash. <laughs> right. Undies. They, okay. Cut to 1981. Ugh. He sexually molested his friend's nine-year-old daughter <gasps> and got caught. He, yeah, I jumped up real quick. He pled guilty because he said he wanted it to be swept under the rug. He said he was innocent, though, and he only received probation. Okay. For that. Kids do not always have, okay. I, I, right? You I can fight this in pissed. so many ways, mm-hmm. like, but 
kids have imaginations, but their imagination doesn't go there. No. It doesn't go no. there. No. No. He, after this, he marries a woman named Dixie, but it doesn't take long for him to start creeping around again. He gets a job as a paper boy so he can go out and see sex workers without her knowing. Okay. Which I didn't even know adults could have paper roots back then, but I don't know. On TV, they're always like little kids throwing them out of their Yeah, but it's bicycle. probably the parent. I don't, no, I don't <laughs> fucking know. I don't know. Okay, backstory's done. Now we're going to go back to the lady that said Mary Lou Pratt's my best friend or whatever and told him about Charles being a creep. Okay. Okay. So the cops connected the dots after this and they figured out those two knew each other. So when Mary decided to become a sex worker, he became a regular client of hers. So when Mary was still alive, mm. he started using other sex workers who claimed that he, <laughs> this is so I'm weird not ready to me. for this. No, the other sex workers that he started using also, they said, well, he would honestly just take me out for a burger and want to talk and then take me back home at first. I mean, that doesn't that always blows my mind, like it, to pay for the girlfriend experience. I'm like, you really couldn't get a, fir- a date. I mean, I'm, I just I feel lucky and blessed that I have the capacity to be charming or charismatic and not creepy. Yeah, I don't. I we have to remember that we were born with those skill sets, but a lot of people aren't. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> I said, but he was charismatic. Everyone said that he was charismatic. Was, yeah, I know. This makes no sense. Thing. It doesn't I'm make getting sense. Mad. I'm going to throw this water bottle. I know. Well, I mean, if. I think that Will would let me do a side hustle if any guys want to just take me out to talk to me and for cheeseburgers. I think that he would let me do that. <laughs> I would let him do that as long as he FaceTime me the whole time. Okay, I was I don't like, think you would never <laughs> let Will do that. <laughs> that you just Some girl date wanted other to buy people? him a cheeseburger? Yeah, I'd be like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, so Charles eventually grew ballsier and went past burgers and started sleeping with them. Now, then... He he was known in the sex work community for being very violent, though, so he started escalating way past all that stuff. After all this was put together on March 22nd, 1991, Charles Albright was arrested and charged with three counts of murder. So when he went to trial on Dece- in December of 1991, they... Found, they had a lot of evidence against him. So there was eight strands of hair from Shirley Williams in his vacuum, which... Whoa, okay. How, just I don't want to talk about Think it. about that, yeah. A blanket at Shirley's crime scene had three Charles Albright pubes on it. Yeah, I don't think about that either. A yellow raincoat was found near one of the crime scenes, and it had his hair on it. And then Charles had a blanket in his truck with a victim's hair on it, so all you know, all of them had hair. There was all it was all hair evidence. In December eighteenth, nineteen ninety one, when Charles was in his fifties, now. He, Is that the only evidence they had back then? Sorry. I, that's all Like, I it used to be hair yeah. before finger, like and fingerprints and then hair and then even, DNA. Yeah, hair isn't even... Yep. Mm-hmm. They have to actually get the root, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I but think, they used I mean, to be like, there was red hair there, it's yours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, on December 18th, 1991, when Charles was in his 50s, he was sentenced to only the murder of Shirley Williams and received five years to life in prison. <sighs> Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Five years to life. He's actually still in prison right now in Amarillo, Texas, and still says that he's innocent and blames Axton Schindler, who was the truck driver. So Axton, he had no connection. Just like he's my a story man. a couple, isn't it? Just like my story, uh, the snow story a yeah. couple episodes ago. There's a, fu- like, he had a coincidence. It's like the house and he ended up being the saving grace for the girl that got away. Yeah. But yeah, he just rented the house from the Albrights and that's it. And he his ID and picking up the victim. Anywho, like you say, (laughs) that's the story of Charles Albright, the Texas eyeball killer and how he progressed from stealing to doing this fucked up shit. Also, also, 
I, w- I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was the Texas eyeball guy. I, they, I didn't know his name. They never found the eyeballs. And nobody knows where they're at. I thought you were going to give me the Green River Killer. What? That was my first thought. Really? Yeah, but I, oh. I knew it wasn't Texas. Yeah, no. But like, um, this would be sex eight workers <laughs> being tossed on the sides of the streets and stuff. Wasn't that the Green River Killer? There's a lot of... That one's a hard one. There's a he lot so of... Um, there's a lot of killers that do that. That's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. The whole time he says he didn't do it. And he's like, no, I didn't do it. The other guy did it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just think about it, too. Did they say something that, like, rem- I, I think what happened is they probably said something that reminded him of his mom. I don't and know. It fucking, and he had a gun in his vehicle and just fucking executed him. And I was like, you know what? I love eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> like, something had to have happened. Yeah. His mom's a psycho. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of um, holes speculation, and, and speculation like probably, with yeah. that one, for sure. So, that's that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. That's weird. It is weird. And it's I want to know where one. the eyeballs went. Maybe he ate them. Oh. I'm not trying to be weird. You think so? I don't know if you can't find them. No, they don't know where he's at. But he put those exact... I just want to know the conversation between that girl's... that The caller and him. Where he was like, yeah, I got some blaze in the attic. That he told his girlfriend's friend that. What it, that's a weird flex. I don't know. Do you want to see my exacto knife collection in the attic? I don't know about that. I don't either. Or maybe they were doing something and they needed a knife. And she, he was like, oh, I have some upstairs. And she goes out to the fucking attic and there's like 67 exacto knives. He's, she comes downstairs. What's up with all the exacto knives? He's like, <laughs> I just really like their precision and sharpness. I've never want, I just can't imagine somebody being at somebody's house and like, hey, Open can you run boxes. up and grab that thing, that box out of the attic real quick? I don't know. Like I have, I, I don't, don't want anyone to see my would... unmentionables, and that's what happens in fucking unmentionables. Attics are like, <laughs> you, I don't know. That's like a mess. I'm not inviting people into our back shed, which is very well organized, if you will. But, unmentionables. I don't know. It just seems like a messy place to be. I'm not inviting my friend's friend up into it. Yeah, that's weird. I'm never like, hey, do you want to go see my basement no. before I obviously murder you? <laughs> I don't God. like basements anyway. Well. Let's wrap that up in a nice little bow. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I'm glad that yours wasn't much longer than it was because this would have been real. Next time I'll let you know whenever I think it's going to be a 13er <laughs> so that we can be ready. But it is, um, I don't want to say it's fun because it's not. I mean, it is. We're doing a podcast. We have to have fun with it, guys. I know yeah. the topics are really heavy heavy and downer pants, but. Um, you wouldn't be here if you weren't interested also. Yeah. So that's true. But I'm just saying, I do think there's some interest in us doing those big killers because it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to see psychological issues. Like he was an, I'm quote unquote, no, normal guy, a Ted Bundy, if you will. And it's just unbelievable what that process is. Oh God, Ted Bundy, that would take forever. Not really. Do you hear that? She's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of who I think out of serial killers is the most fucked up ones. And Ed Kemper isn't even that fucked up. I just liked his demeanor in the show. You know, like I can't say he's, I don't, no one should have a favorite serial killer, right? But there's ones that intrigue you more than others. And I think really fucked up ones were like Gacy. Yeah. That was crazy to me. Yeah. Because he just killed people in a way that I think was so obvious. Yeah. Like he just hit him in his house. And then fucking Dahmer after the Dahmer show came out and you really see just how fucked up he is. Like that made me hate Dahmer. (sighs) Yeah. Because he was so freaking crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. And just disgusting. Ted Bundy, they don't do enough realizing the terrible things he did. They just make him this hot, charismatic guy that that runs, that jumps. It's just like like all the fucking female teachers who fuck 
15 year old boys in their school that are hot and they get more away with it and it's more lenient than if a 32 year old man had sex with a 15 year old student it's just that looks looks do something and it's unbelievable and we're getting better at not doing that as a society but we're still doing it yeah it is what it is it's insane it is well we'll have to dive into one of those once more comment on our facebook there's a story you want us to cover or if there's a serial killer that you really want to see us unpack oh yeah do that do do all that shit do all that like tell us how many people you get this week to listen to us we would like to know minimum of five right and thank you (laughs) we love you guys yeah love y'all thank you bye Bye. theodore can i put that down